right, so welcome back to Inside Access Control. I'm excited today to have somebody outside of our industry come in to, to talk a little bit about um, some of the phase changes that we've been talking about, um, especially for those of you that recently got my newsletter, it was a conversation around innovation at inside of a crisis, which we're currently in now, and the strategic thinking that people are doing that uh, they use when coming out of these things. So. One of those areas uh, reached out to a, a local organization here in the DC metro area that uh, come to find out I've known for years from their days uh, of some products, which we'll talk about on that end. But Wolf Rizika, uh, thank you very much for joining. He's from East Bank Technology. Of course, uh, and thank you for having me, Lee. Uh, my name is Wolf Rizika. I'm the chairman of East Bank Technologies. We build software products for other people. Sometimes we build them for ourselves. One of those is what... Um, Lee was referring to an API management system that ultimately Microsoft acquired from us in this now called uh, Microsoft Azure API management. Um, so many of you have interacted with the software that we've built without even knowing that we exist. So yeah, so in looking at your company, a lot of topics, everything from AI to edge computing, the rest, I thought what we would do is we'd focus on um, now some of the, the, the trends that we are talking about uh, in our industry, like uh, touchless technology. Um, and cloud and client server and they're starting to now go from being a nice to have to actually now a must-have right in a lot of ways mm -hmm. now what's going on so uh yep. talk to me a little about if i'm an organization that uh wants to do that um i'm a believer that it needs to be hybrid right where you have things on the edge computing and then going to the cloud when you need to there's a lot of people in the industry that that believe that way um, but if I want to really get into that, what, what, what do I need to do? Like if I wanted to start, I want big data, I want touchless, I want edge computing, all that, all that we could play the, you know, the bingo. Of, I want uh, it all. I want it all. But where do I start? Of course you have to, you have to dream big, but start as small as you possibly can. Um, and I, I uh, agree with you that there is a, a hybrid approach to uh, these types of hosting uh, environments. You have to be as close as you can computer-wise uh, to the actual interaction and then do the massive computations in the background. That's uh, for sure the type of landscape that I would recommend thinking about. But in all of it, I would start um, as small as I can. So I would uh, think about what we would call in the software product development world, an MVP, a minimal viable product. Um, as far as data is concerned, we've started uh, coining the term of a minimal viable prediction. So start gathering the smallest possible data point that you can um, uh, ensure is accurate data. You don't have to start with big data. Start with as small as possible an accurate data set and then iterate from there. And what we're trying to do with all of this, like any good startup um, and any good software product tries to do is to invoke um, compounding. So if you then um, get accurate data and you are able to um, invoke a positive action towards your interaction touchless with somebody, um, iterate from there. And as you then iterate more and more and more often, you hopefully start gathering um, a hockey stick as far as the data volumes are concerned. Um, but you're creating data breadcrumbs where every single one of those data breadcrumbs, every single one of those interactions, you can get it wrong but the risk of getting it wrong doesn't bring the entire um, architecture down. It doesn't bring your entire reputation with your end users down. It just creates a little bit of um, a possible risk. And so ultimately you really want to try to create a risk and mitigate this risk 
speed and data volume. Start as small as you can. Start with as few interactions as you can. Start, start with as few moving pieces as you can so that you ultimately get to this one killer feature that really validates your theory of this big thing that we were just talking about of on-premises, in the cloud, somewhere in between, um, touchless and, uh, you know, and, um, and uh, interactive, um, intelligent versus um, uh, manual. Uh, so this is my suggestion on um, approaching it. Uh, which then really means your budget outlays, the time that you uh, need to invest in order to validate your theory behind it is tiny, tiny, and then you iterate from there. Now, uh, your typical engagements that you have, um, what is the typical person that you're working with? Is there a typical product mm -hmm. manager? Are they a data scientist that, that works there? Is it a um, if I if I use the current situation and in uh, and uh, um, move it back in time to a, uh, a similar type of um, crises in a certain industry, maybe that's a good example of how I would approach it and who we typically work with. Um, so media industry, think of when Google News, Vox, uh, BuzzFeed, and all of these kinds of media and news disruptors came uh, to the scene. Who were the ones that were really in a crisis were the traditional newspaper uh, businesses, the typical media businesses, the more legacy type of businesses. But they were running out of budgets very, very quickly. Um, so you needed to, again, start as small as you can, but you also start extremely high in the hierarchy uh, because that's where the sense of urgency is probably um, the highest. So in, in this case, I'm referring to the Washington Post and I'm referring to Shailesh Prakash, the CIO at the Washington Post. Um, that was before Jeff Bezos uh, bought them. And we needed to transform jointly into a technology company that happens to have a newsroom full of reporters that produces content. So how do you go about that when budgets are extremely small, when timelines are extremely aggressive, and when you're really at, uh, at threat of um, being eaten alive that you uh, won't survive the next, you know, the next industry innovation, you started or we started with surrounding the existing legacy systems with tiny modules that either gather data or allowed content to be um, distributed out. Uh, and so again, each of those modules doesn't really pose an ex existential risk as far as budget, time, careers is concerned, and we made it. So now you go to the Washington Post, you're looking at one of the most modern software technology companies, probably in the media industry, and how is that proven? because they turned that software that we jointly created into a product that they now license out to the former competitors and current competitors. And the Washington Post uh, software powers their own competitors as, uh, with the type of software product thinking um, that we jointly uh, created. So long story short, you start as high as you can, you start as small as you can. And I also like the fact that something you said in there that, that jumped out to me is I think a lot of times people view this as a feature, but you talked about it as a product and yes. treating it like a product, I believe then it gets the proper attention and, 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 and probably how it's handled is, is just better than if it's just a feature. So prioritization, you know, budget wise, the rest of it. So that, that's, that you got is, it. Okay. I got that. So very good. And if, if I could add to yeah. that, uh, so yeah. it also aligns incentives. So if you think about it, uh, incentives drive behavior. And once you align the incentives correctly, you get behavior really rapidly to change. Um, so if you then define it as a software product, 
you really have only three things that this product needs to be able to do, which is make you money, save you money, or save lives in some other cases. Those are three things that a software product does. Um, and if you then have product thinking with a service provider like ours, our incentive is then not to camp out on your budget and push as many hours as we possibly can. Our incentive is to make you money as quickly as possible, save you money as quickly as possible, or save lives. And that aligns everything so nicely that you can move very fast in very small iterations. So you're a DC native here now, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and you've been around where the crisis has happened in this area too. So I guess uh, because of the, the nature of where we live, um, on that, I, any advice that you would give to people? Um, so these, uh, you know, uh, I've lived through quite a number of crises from uh, the, uh, the currency crisis of the 80s uh, to the internet boom and bust. I was part of a pretty famous company here called MicroStrategy, where we grew the company extremely fast. And then we had to get rid of um, at least two thirds of the team members as quickly as possible so that the company would survive. Um, I remember the financial crisis. And in each one of those cases, let's pick the financial crisis um, just as an example of the 2008-2009 cycle. Um, we as a company, and luckily for us, our customers or some of our customers used it as a chance to reboot and as a chance to strengthen how we come out of this crisis. So uh, East Bank Technologies didn't, uh, didn't fire any of, of their team members, didn't, we did not lay off anybody, we didn't cut salaries, we actually hired the best of the people that we could get uh, on the marketplace in preparation for um, the time when the crisis is over. And what we found was we had a lot of tools in our tool belt at the end of the crisis. We came out like John Wayne with all bullets flying, while all of our competitors that, you know, in quotation mark competitors, uh, were, were um, essentially uh, dissipated and came out weaker. Um, so this is a time to uh, really innovate, um, use the time to innovate, use the time to transform yourself digitally, um, buy into this idea, which we now all experience that um, the digitization of our life is a relentless force that we need to embrace and not fight. We were now forced to embrace it. Let's turn that into a positive and say, we need to keep going and innovating around that, um, you know, digital transformation that is um, inevitable. If we don't embrace it, we'll be the ones that are uh, dead at the end of such a crisis. If people want to get a hold of you, what's the, the best way to do that? Best way is um, eastbanktech.com, E-A-S-T-B-A-N-C-T-E-C-H.com. But I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, that's where we connected many years ago. Wolf Rosica. Uh, at LinkedIn. So uh, thank, you, thank you for the time. Uh, I know during it's crazy right now and you making the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Of course. My pleasure.